is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin here, our number, 877-381-3811, Man, oh man, Shevitz, we've got a lot of territory to cover. You with me? You're the only audience that can handle this. I want to talk about the First Amendment briefly. One of the great experts on the First Amendment and other parts of the Constitution is a gentleman by the name of Nathan Lewin. Nathan Lewin has litigated in front of the Supreme Court and America's appellate courts more times than I can count. He's a brilliant man. He's taught at Harvard and Columbia and Georgetown and University of Chicago. But he, with his brilliant daughter... They run their own firm. They bring their own cases. Big, big cases. Big Supreme Court cases. Big First Amendment cases. So he wrote a piece in JNS.org, JNS, Jewish News Syndicate.org, explaining the First Amendment to university presidents, it's called. Shockingly, the presidents of Harvard... Penn and MIT do not know that the First Amendment does not protect anti-Semitic hate speech or support for terrorism. In the wake of the astounding testimony before Congress by the presidents of Harvard, the University of Pennsylvania, and the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, three important questions must be asked. Number one, why are the presidents of leading American universities abysmally ignorant of Supreme Court rulings on the limits of protected speech under the First Amendment. The presidents claimed in their testimony that anti-Israel and anti-Semitic protesters, quote-unquote, on their campuses are only exercising their constitutionally protected right to free speech when they call for an intifada and chant Hamas's battle cry from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free, both clear calls for violence against Israelis and Jews. Harvard's president, 
Claudine Gay repeatedly declared that her university will act only, quote, when speech crosses into conduct, unquote. She might be surprised to learn that not a single Supreme Court justice, not one, agrees with her. In fact, it's unlikely that the three presidents have bothered to read the most recent definition of First, of First Amendment speech guarantees as exercised by all nine Supreme Court justices, albeit in various opinions. Not one of the justices believes that threats and incitement have blanket constitutional protection and cannot be punished unless they, quote, cross into conduct. This is the Sonny Houston on The View, another pathetic buffoon. And the other legal analysts on TV who don't know a damn thing. It's incredible. That's why you're here. We know a lot of things. On June 27, the United States Supreme Court decided a case titled Counterman versus Colorado, which dealt with harassment on the social media site Facebook. The case generated much discussion precisely because it dealt with the issue of what limits can be placed on speech protections. All of the justices agreed that the Bill of Rights does not guarantee any right to send threats over social media. None. Nor did they hold that the First Amendment entitles a speaker to say anything so long as it does not, quote, cross into conduct, unquote. The justices differed only over how relevant the speaker's intention might be to the question of criminal penalties. A majority in the court, speaking through Justice Elena Kagan, said that expressing a threat would be a crime if the speaker uttered it with, quote, reckless disregard, unquote, for how it would be understood by the listener. Four justices differed only in part. All the justices agreed that freedom of speech does not protect a speaker who makes a threat with reckless disregard for the listener's fear of violence. And we have more than fear of violence. We have actual violence and threats going on on these campuses. Jewish students locking themselves in rooms, locking themselves in their dorms, in the libraries, in attics, not wanting to go to class. Lewin writes, the campus protesters in question are obviously guilty of reckless disregard for the fears of their Jewish fellow students under the most recent Supreme Court rulings. They can be charged with crimes and punished accordingly. That the presidents of Harvard, MIT, and the former president of Penn are ignorant of this is shocking. Number two, why are major donors to these universities only terminating future grants? rather than demanding that billions of dollars in past donations be refunded. Benefactors who've given huge donations to Harvard and other universities with enormous endowments have announced publicly that they will not continue to contribute to these institutions because they promote and fail to control anti-Semitism. It is possible that this may influence public declarations of university administrators who are unhappy that the flow of funds has been interrupted. But given the vast resources of these institutions and the contributions likely to come from anti-Semitic and anti-Israel sources, it will only have a modest impact. A far more powerful response would be for major donors to file lawsuits seeking to recover the billions of dollars they've donated in the past. They could do so on the grounds that these donations were secured by false representations They claim the universities were providing proper, meaningful education to their students. And I might add an important footnote here. Parents who've paid the tuition of their kids to be students at these universities, they would have the same cause of action with different facts. 
the same cause of action to get their tuition back. For example, Harvard's original charter of 1650 stated its students will be taught knowledge and godliness, quote-unquote. Contributors have now discovered that Harvard does not abide by this charter. Instead, it egregiously violates it by nurturing hate and violence against Jews. As such, donors are legally entitled to recover the funds they were convinced by Harvard's false representation to provide. Again, same with the students. And three, and finally, why are no federal grand juries investigating the probable violations of American anti-terrorist laws committed by organizers and participants in pro-Hamas public protests? In 1996, in 1996, Congress enacted the Anti-Terrorism and Effective Death Penalty Act, which makes it a criminal offense to provide, quote, material support to foreign terrorist organizations, unquote. Violating this law can be punished with a long prison sentence. The Supreme Court, with Chief Justice John Roberts writing for a six-person majority, upheld the law in 2010 and rejected claims that its restriction of, quote, material support, unquote, for terrorism violated First Amendment rights of free speech and free association. The case is Holder versus Humanitarian Law Project in 2010. Advocating for a terrorist organization and supporting its activities, even if they constitute otherwise lawful protest, violates this provision of the Federal Criminal Code. Organized protests supporting Hamas, accompanied by costly printed signs, customized uniforms and caps, the Palestinian flags, assuredly qualified as, quote, material support, unquote, for Hamas. And I bet if they look further during discovery, they'll find money there, too. So Nat Lewin asks this. Why has the Department of Justice under Attorney General Merrick Garland, a descendant of Holocaust survivors, failed to initiate a federal investigation into these probable violations of America's anti-terrorism laws? Why has no, not one, U.S. attorney impaneled a federal grand jury and subpoenaed witnesses? These are just some of the questions that an American lawyer must ask in these turbulent times. And now he has set the record straight as I have, quite frankly, on the First Amendment. These threats are not protected. These mobs and what they are, what they are arguing for is not protected. The Supreme Court has said so. Every member in their own way has said so. And under Joe Biden and Merrick Garland, not a single U.S. attorney has brought a single charge against anybody. Nobody. What about some of these faculty members that go out there and celebrate these threats and the violence and Hamas, a terrorist organization? I said before, we're not required to fund this. In America, we're not required to provide safe havens for homegrown and foreign supporters of terrorists and terrorism. And turn the other cheek. That's not academic freedom. That's not free speech. That's quite the contrary. And so things that can be done are not being done. By the Department of Justice. By Joe Biden. By not a single U.S. attorney in the United States. Not one of the 93. None of them. I'll be right back. Mark. 
Club N. Mark Levin here, folks, with essential information about a possible digital dollar and its impact on IRAs and 401ks. Educate yourself before a digital dollar comes with Augusta Precious Metals' downside of the digital dollar report. Created due to popular demand, this report is packed with important digital dollar insights. Best of all, it shares a strategy smart investors have used to hedge against economic uncertainties like the digital dollar. Act now to learn more with Augusta Precious Metals. Do it for your financial future. Receive the free downside of the digital dollar report today by texting LEVIN to 68592. That's L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Again, text LEVIN to 68592 or go to AugustaPreciousMetals.com. Text aid and message rates may apply. Performance varies. Consult your financial professionals before making investment decisions and get risk disclosures at AugustaPreciousMetals.com. I think Iran, Hamas, and Hezbollah have awakened a sleeping giant in a horrific way, of course. Israel has warned Hamas that once they defeat, excuse me, Hezbollah, I think Israel's had enough of this crap once and for all, even though the United States keeps funding the wrong party. But Mark, they gave arms to Israel. Well, then why are you giving funds to the terrorists? Elise Stefanik just posted this. The Democrats are circling the wagons around the these presidents of these universities, giving aid and comfort, therefore, to Hamas and for anti-Semitism. The Democrat Party in America does hate America. I've tried to explain it at great length, both here on TV and certainly in my book. And Representative Elise Stefanik tweets the following, Desperate and deranged Democrats are now attacking us for uniting the country around calls for these university presidents to be fired. Here are the facts. Congresswoman Kathy Manning approached me on the House floor with a rough draft for a joint letter to the boards of MIT, Harvard, and Penn. I told her I would like to review and would likely have many edits to strengthen the language. My office sent back significant edits to the Manning office, who went radio silent while we circulated it among Republican members. Our offices then decided to go in different directions with two separate versions of the letter. When Representative Manning did not want to call for the firing of the presidents, among other significant edits, she refused to accept. This is something that happens every day on Capitol Hill. Our updated version of the stronger letter with significant edits got much more bipartisan support because it was the right thing to do. Because Kathy Manning got much less support for her weaker letter, she's now trying to do a hit piece to help panic Democrats, who are clearly on the wrong side of history, protecting these university presidents. While the mainstream media is refusing to cover the actual plagiarism of Claudine Gay. What about that, Tapper? Tapper's such a puke. Let's just be honest. Let's just be honest. He's a fraud, a phony, and a fink. Wolf Blitzer. Same damn thing. Mika Brzezinski, an IQ of negative 74, which is at least better than her husband, Joe, 
with a negative IQ of 178. He is sort of the anti-Mensa, if you know what I mean, Mr. Producer. He's like the anti-Mensa. He's a clown. There's a lot more going on out here, too. Uh, let me get to this. Hold on one second. The computer has computered out. 500 faculty members have come to the defense of gay. She's credibly accused of plagiarism. Even before she was credibly accused of plagiarism, her scholarship was almost non-existent. She is a DEI-appointed president. That's who she is. She doesn't have the grand qualifications to be the president of Harvard, and Harvard could care less. Harvard's busy discriminating, discriminating against Asian Americans, blocking so many of them from getting admitted into their college. Very, very busy protecting the Hamas network and the Hamas-supported fac- faculty and students from doing what they do. And there's a great piece in the tablet. And in the tablet, they say, well, isn't it time to get to the bottom of what Harvard actually does? With all the taxpayer money it gets, with all the donations it gets, tax deductible. Isn't it time to get to the bottom of this? I think it is. In fact, I think it's past time to get to the bottom of not just that, but all the rest of them. They take in hundreds of billions of dollars of taxpayer money with no accountability whatsoever. That's going to end. That has to end, in my opinion. Americans' views of Hamas and Israel, with Republicans' support for Israel, is very, very strong. Very, very strong. Hamas, the militant Palestinian group, opposition to it a lot, 65%, a little, 9%. And you know most of those who, majorities of both Republicans and Republican-leading independents, 73% say Hamas has a lot of responsibility for the conflict. Democrats, 50% are more than twice as likely as Republicans to say the Israeli government. Mark Levin here, folks, with essential information about a possible digital dollar and its impact on IRAs and 401ks. Educate yourself before a digital dollar comes with Augusta Precious Metals' downside of the digital dollar report. Created due to popular demand, this report is packed with important digital dollar insights. Best of all, it shares a strategy smart investors have used to hedge against economic uncertainties like the digital dollar. Act now to learn more with Augusta Precious Metals. Do it for your financial future. Receive the free downside of the digital dollar report today by texting LEVIN to 68592. That's L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Again, text LEVIN to 68592 or go to AugustaPreciousMetals.com. Text aid and message rates may apply. Performance varies. Consult your financial professionals before making investment decisions and get risk disclosures at AugustaPreciousMetals.com.
America's most powerful conservative voice, The Mark Levin Show. Dial in now, 877-381-3811. Almost nine years ago, when I was on Sean Hannity's program, I had something to say about Obama and anti-Semitism. Of course, Media Matters, when they highlighted it, thought they were smearing me. No, we appreciate the publicity Media Matters gave us because it's very much a pro-Soros organization, anti-Semitic, anti-black, bigoted, anti-gay. At least that's what the president of Media Matters has been, certainly in the past, and now he tries to walk it back. But he can't walk it back. He is who he is. He's a grotesque, loathsome bottom dweller. Now, that said, here I am on Hannity almost nine years ago, March 18, 2015, cut one, go. So there you have the president with contempt and an outright loathing of the prime minister and his liberal media clapping seal audience there regurgitating basically the, the president's lines. Here's what I have a problem with, Mark. Prime Minister Netanyahu had to battle not only liberals in his own country, but the Obama machine on the ground there. The president didn't pick up the phone today, but he did call the president of Iran when he won. He did call Putin when he won. He did call Mohammed Morsi, who referred to the Israelis as descendants of apes and pigs. He called him when he took charge in Egypt. He called the president of Turkey. He called leaders when they won in China and in Saudi Arabia. Why can't he pick up a phone and call our number one ally and the only democracy in the region? Why? He just said it. He doesn't like democracy. He doesn't like Congress. He's got a pen and a phone. And when Congress doesn't do what he says, he's off doing his best Benito Mussolini. He doesn't like Netanyahu there. Netanyahu just won in a landslide. Obama's never won in a landslide. The American people rose up in November and told Obama how how they are disgusted with his programs and his policies, and what did he do? He turned around and spat in our faces. And he does the same in, uh, in 2010, when they lose the House of Representatives. Obama has more uh, ability to work with dictators and genocidal types than he does with people who are elected democratically. The fact of the matter is, Sean, and I want to say this, and this is important, Eric Holder said that this nation is full of cowards because we won't have a discussion about race. Well, I think this nation needs to have a discussion about what's going on in this White House and this administration about anti-Semitism. Because this White House, and it's reaching out to uh, to Sharpton, the Muslim Brotherhood, CARE, all these radical nutjobs and groups, their policies, which are, which are not, it's not just Netanyahu, they're willing to throw Israel over the side for the Islamic regime in, in Tehran. This president's former relationships with uh, Khalidi, the professor in Columbia now, uh, with Wright, the, uh, the, the so-called reverend from Chicago, this president has a lot to answer for, and his conduct is contemptible. Do you and think I don't care how many liberal Democrat donors who are... Hold on now. I don't care how many liberal Democrat donors he has who are Jewish. He can hide behind them all he wants. But Mr. Holder, Mr. Obama, let's have a national discussion about the anti-Semitism that reeks from your administration. You think the president's anti-Semitic, Mark? I personally do. Yes, I do. Has he demonstrated otherwise? Israel is surrounded. Israel was under attack with Hamas. His State Department puts out these preposterous statements about moral relevancy. Israel's taking missiles. This president's holding back ammunition, slow walking it. 
Does this sound like a guy who has a rational reason for his belief system? I don't think so. That's my personal opinion. There you go. It was right then and I'm right now. Jake Tapper gives a platform, a platform to people like this. Obama holdovers in the Biden administration, Antony Blinken among them. And he asks questions in a way that are intended to undermine the state of Israel. Even though he's Jewish, Jake Tapper. But I've explained this issue before. I've explained this issue before. Jake Tapper has a long, long history of being a leftist, of being a Democrat, even writing for Salon, which is my view is if it's not flat out Marxist, a quasi Marxist site. And he has a long history of undermining Israel after Israel's attack by Hamas and other terrorists. A long history. He's one of these reporters that says, oh, what happened is terrible, but. He's a but reporter, not B-U-T-T, but B-U-T. And here he is with Anthony Blinken on his Sunday show that has literally, well, not literally, almost literally, no viewers. Cut to go. Will the U.S. continue to back Israel the way it's backing Israel right now if this continues for months and months as opposed to days or weeks? Again, Israel has to make these decisions. Of course, everyone wants to see this uh, campaign come to a close as quickly as possible. Uh, but any country faced with what Israel is facing, a terrorist organization that attacked it in the most horrific way possible on October 7th, and as I said, has said repeatedly that it would do it again and again and again, it has to get to the point where uh, it is confident that that can't be repeated. But you make another point that's very important. Mm-hmm. When the major military operation is over, uh, this is not over because we have to have a durable, sustainable peace. Uh, and we have to make sure that we're on the path to a durable, sustainable peace. From our perspective, I think from the perspective of, of, of many around the world, uh, that has to lead to a Palestinian state. So let's this- stop. Do we have a durable, sustainable peace with the Taliban, Mr. Producer? Isn't that important? A durable, sustainable peace with the Taliban, if you listen to these people? Ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about terrorist regimes and terrorist organizations. There is no durable, sustainable peace with terrorists. And I know the fiction is out there, and the media push it, and their front groups, Mediaite, Media Matters, they push it too. They want you to believe that all the Palestinians are just innocent people who want to live the good life under Jeffersonian democracy. But the Jews in Israel won't permit it. They won't permit it. Who's stopping them? The vast majority of the Middle East is controlled by the Arabs and Muslims. Israel's a pinprick of a country in terms of its geography. Who's stopping them? Who stopped them in the Golan Heights? Who has stopped them in certain territories controlled by the Palestinian Authority? Nobody. Who has stopped them? Hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars pouring into the Palestinians. Some of them become billionaires. Why are they refugees? Because they want refugees. When you control land, how do you have your own people as refugees on the territory that you're in control of? No other place in the world except there. Just as Hamas once civilians killed because CNN gets off on it. That's right, I said it. 
The Palestinian Authority, or better, the PLO, Arafat's original organization, they want refugee camps. Oh, Mark, what are you talking about? It's widely understood that the leadership of the PLO steals the money, turns over portions of its economy to its most loyal terrorists. Abbas's family members are rich, rich. They steal the money that's supposed to go to the people. That's how you have refugee camps. That's how you have. It's not Israel that's creating refugee camps. It's not America that's creating refugee camps. It's not Jews who are creating refugee camps. It's the Palestinian leadership that's creating refugee camps. It's the Palestinian leadership that puts its own civilians up front. And we have this survey from an Arab institution. I don't believe that Media Matters or Mediaite or CNN or MSNBC or the New York Slimes or the Compost or any of the rest of the media have reported on this, certainly not diligently, certainly not more than once, that gives a completely different story than the fictionalized story we're getting from these so-called press. And when you bring it up, Mr. Producer, it's, oh, Levin says there aren't any innocent civilians. I am given up dealing with radical left-wing propagandists. Unless I haven't given up every now and then when they annoy me. But most of the time, you have to give it up. Because these are sick, demented people. So there's Blinken, two-state solution. They don't want a two-state solution. They want a caliphate. I have to say it over and over again. Jake Tapper, are you an idiot? Yes. Are you a moron? Yes. Are you an imbecile? Yes. Read Hamas's mission statement. In fact, the other day, one of these Hamas Nazi leaders said so. We don't want another state. We want a caliphate. Iran has its own country. They want a caliphate. The mother, the Muslim brother wants a caliphate. That's why they call for intifada. Intifada is not about another country. The ignorance of Tapper and his ilk. The outrageous propaganda of Thomas Freedom and his, his bosses at the New York Slimes. The insidiousness of Bernie Sanders' Marxism. Has no limits. They tell you what they want. They show you what they're going to do. It's not a secret. So why are there apologists in the American media? Why are there apologists in our State Department? Why are there apologists in the Democrat Party? Well, why were there in the 1930s and 40s? Same thing. Same thing. That's why you'll never know the truth about Franklin Roosevelt and what he did in the 30s and 40s during the Holocaust. That's why the media in America will never remind you of what they did. They did! Including their, their great leader of, a, of a, a media outlet, the New York Times. They will never remind you of that. And as I pointed out on my Fox show last night, universities in this country supporting the Nazis. Supporting Students coming to this country at our universities to promote Nazi propaganda.
professors promoting Nazi propaganda. These are facts. And there's books written about it. I know, I know, these people are distracted by other books that show genitalia, what you can do with genitalia. Read the books! They're out there. It's unbelievable. Then, Blinken's on ABC's This Week with Obama supporting Martha Raddatz. Cut three, go. If you're continuing to send these weapons without any accounting for how they are used except talking to the Israeli. So she is a Democrat. She's regurgitating what the radical Hamas-supporting anti-Israel wing of the Democrat party is saying. There's no accountability for Israel using these weapons. There's no accountability. Does she mention that this administration is funding Iran and there's no accountability for what they do with their money? Not a word. Not a damn word. Or Iran, the money that's flowing into Hamas, and what's happening with that money, using it for weapons and tunnels? Not a damn word. It's the Israeli Jews. They need to be controlled. Don't you understand? Go ahead. What other leverage can you use to make sure they take greater care in this campaign? Isn't this sickening? She's got the IQ of a 15-watt bulb regurgitating the lines from the radical left from Bernie Sanders. It's like they're all in a cabal. They all say the same thing. They don't want Israel to win. That's the bottom line. But Israel's winning. Israel's winning. And the Hamas leadership is freaking out. And Hezbollah is picking it up. They're starting to fire more missiles. And Israel just warned Hezbollah, we'll kick your ass too. And so Raditz and the Democrats and the Marxists in Congress and elsewhere and the clowns in the media are saying, can't you control Israel? While their favorite president and administration is funding the enemy. Go ahead. Martha, we're focused on two Ah, things. Shut up, you idiot. I'll be right back. Martha. Mark Levin here, folks, with essential information about a possible digital dollar and its impact on IRAs and 401ks. Educate yourself before a digital dollar comes with Augusta Precious Metals downside of the digital dollar report. Created due to popular demand, this report is packed with important digital dollar insights. Best of all, it shares a strategy smart investors have used to hedge against economic uncertainties like the digital dollar. Act now to learn more with Augusta Precious Metals. Do it for your financial future. Receive the free downside of the digital dollar report today by texting LEVIN to 68592. That's L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Again, text LEVIN to 68592 or go to AugustaPreciousMetals.com. Text aid and message rates may apply. Performance varies. Consult your financial professionals before making investment decisions and get risk disclosures at AugustaPreciousMetals.com. Well, here we be. Here we be. Bernie Sanders on Deface the Nation. So it's all over the Sunday show. 
all over the Sunday shows. Same propaganda. Why would you ask Bernie Sanders to go on national TV? Who does he represent? Comes from Vermont, a beautiful state the size of most counties. Just saying. He's a Marxist. And yet, Face the Nation wants his opinion, Margaret Brennan. On what he thinks about Israel, we already know what he thinks about Israel. He hates Netanyahu, and he keeps talking to religious parties, keeps talking about them as extremists, and Netanyahu's a racist, and he believes in apartheid, and all the These are lies. So the only reason, possible reason, Face the Nation, CBS, Margaret Brennan, bring him on is because they want him to repeat himself. Now, this is a guy that has embraced every communist regime since he was in college. Now, he'll distance itself from them once people find, wait a minute, they murdered four million people. Oh, I made it. Wait a minute. It's a guy that honeymoons in Moscow. This is a guy who supported Castro, defended Castro. But he hates Netanyahu. What does that tell Why is this man considered a legitimate voice? He's actually not even a Democrat. He's a Democratic Socialist, a.k.a. he's a Marxist. So why do they bring him on to spew his, his Israel hate? And his American hate in the past. Why do they do that? You know why. Cut four, go. Secretary of State Antony Blinken said that he sees a gap between Israel's stated intent of limiting civilian casualties and reality. And the Secretary of Defense said they could face a strategic defeat given civilian casualties. Yeah, this is amazing to me. First of all, Blinken knows nothing about military, military operations. This is a man who basically was in Washington, D.C. the vast majority of his life, except for those occasions when he was at Poison Ivy League schools. And by the way, I want to thank my brothers and sisters at Fox for picking that up. It's very good. Poison Ivy Colleges. They used to call them Ivy, Ivy League schools because the ivy that grew in their buildings, you know. Anyway, putting that aside, and I'm glad that it's being repeated, by the way, it's important. What do you need from me? Oh, I don't know if I can get there in time. Let me try. I want to continue where I'm leaving off. There's a lot to say. Julie Kelly's coming on the program because there's now an effort to again go after Trump. Uh, now with the Supreme Court in an extraordinary effort by the Department of Justice and this bum prosecutor. So I want to get into that with you as well. I'll be right back. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Well, let's cut right to it. Julie Kelly, who is a fabulous and real reporter and a lawyer, has been tracking the destruction of our legal system in and around Washington, D.C., and has written a fantastic piece. I believe that's her own website, which we will promote, Mr. Producer. Let's go ahead and link to it. Now, Julie Kelly, um, Donald Trump is having to face 
issues of first impression as a result of the Department of Justice and Jack Kelly bringing these phony four counts against him in Washington, D.C. Every motion that they have filed, he has either lost or lost in a significant way with a little piece, a couple of crumbs thrown to him. He was denied attorney-client privilege. This gag order goes beyond beyond anything that's imaginable. Uh, with a little bit of light, he's actually allowed to attack the prosecutor. Uh, it's being brought before the Tuesday, Super Tuesday, in a five-month period. A Sixth Amendment that's being violated. Fifth Amendment with due process. First Amendment on free speech. And I can go on and on and on, and you know better than anybody. And so something happened Today and in the last 24 hours, can you tell us what's going on and what just happened? Sure, Mark. Thanks for having me on. So this is remarkable because, Mark, what it does is completely contradict what Judge Tanya Chutkin, appointed by Obama, and Special Counsel Jack Smith, appointed by Merrick Garland, have argued for since he indicted Donald Trump for January 6th. This was back in August. And that is that Donald Trump will be treated like any other criminal defendant. No one is above the rule of law. He's not going to be treated with kid gloves because he was president or he's running for president. Well, what Jack Smith did today, taking this highly, he even called it, Mark, in his motion, an exceptional step of bypassing the appellate court who is going to hear the argument, Trump's appeal of Judge Chutkin's other order, um, that basically removes and says that there, he is entitled to no presidential immunity, that a president is, is subject to criminal indictment and prosecution. So Trump appealed that. And rather than let it play out in the normal course, Jack Smith today took the rare step. I think it's only happened a few dozen times in, in the past few decades of asking the Supreme Court to weigh in on Trump's appeal, bypassing the D.C. Circuit, the appellate court, and taking it directly to the Supreme Court. And they ruled, yes, he can do that, as you point out. This concerns me a great deal for several reasons. Number one, why would the court do this unless it's going to rule the wrong way? I'm very concerned about John Roberts, mm -hmm. Brent Kavanaugh, Barrett. Mm -hmm. They've been very weak on very important issues. They were very weak on litigation in Pennsylvania during the course of the election. That they raised serious constitutional issues about the power of a legislature. Three justices wanted to go for it. They couldn't get a fourth. That means the other three so-called Republicans wouldn't go for it. Why would they accept the case like this? If they well, don't believe they that, today, that, that, hold on, if they don't believe it should be resolved before the election, go right ahead. I'm sorry. So what the Supreme Court did within a matter of hours is they told Donald Trump's team that they need to reply to Smith's, this is his um, petition for writ of cert. So it, they haven't necessarily accepted the review. Ah, They're okay. just telling Donald Trump by next week, you need to file a response to Jack Smith asking for this um, cert, this writ of cert, cert petition that would eventually fast track it. So they didn't necessarily accept it. But to Good. your point, if they did take this step, what what is that signaling? Mm -hmm. So that's an excellent point you make. So we don't know what they're going to do yet. I am surprised that they asked for response this quickly. 
But let's talk about this issue. Immunity of a president. If a president has immunity as president from charges, even bogus charges, but let's just say whatever they are, charges, then he ceases to be president. Most of the statute of limitations on so-called crimes are five years. Not all, most. And so let's say he serves one term. Then the opposing party or the opposing administration, that is the president who defeats him, the attorney general he appoints, the special counsel that they appoint, can go back and look at the things he did as president. I'm talking about the precedent that this will set and make a decision on whether or not they should bootstrap it into a post-presidency and then say, oh, well, you're not president anymore. You're not immune from it. Wouldn't that do severe, I mean, severe damage to the presidency? To the presidency, yes, and to the country as we continue this descent into banana republic-style territory. This is where we're headed, and this has been the trajectory. And what Jack Smith just did today was act as an accelerant to where we're headed. And unfortunately, let's revisit again what the Supreme Court did. Why would they even consent to this this quickly? I agree. Why would they signal at all that they are going to uh, indulge Jack Smith and Judge Chutkin because they are the ones, Mark, as we've talked about, they fast track the trial. Instead of the typical 14, 18, there's defendants who are still waiting to go to trial from January 6th. Some waited over two years between indictment and trial. She fast tracked this a seven month window, knowing all of this litigation would need to be resolved beforehand. They set this up to continue to heighten the destruction of the legal, judicial, and political system in this country before the election. These are sick, dangerous people. And today, once again, proved how dangerous Jack Smith is. And the fact that no one has reined him in, has cut his budget by a penny, speaks again to the weakness of Republican leadership in Washington. Certainly in the Senate, they won't agree to anything. I mean, Mitch McConnell backs anything pretty much that Schumer wants to do. Uh, mm-hmm. But this, this said, this is important. We really need to put a fine point on this. What is the hurry in getting this case to trial other than the Biden Department of Justice, Jack Smith's obsession, and Judge Chunkin's political bias? There's no emergency. There's not going to be any issues about um, any lapsing of statute. Uh, all the witnesses, such as they are, have already provided enormous amounts of information. Uh, these charges against Donald Trump, the Klan Act, the two Enron Acts, as you've pointed out, which are being challenged by other defendants, and of course the Federal uh, Contractor Act, have absolutely nothing to do with January 6th. So he's trying to bootstrap that in. Judge Chunkin jumps the judge in Florida to get her case out before the other case, mm-hmm. which, which Smith brought first, she calls the judge in New York and says, hey, you're supposed to go first. Can you wait till I'm done? He says, of course. He's a Democrat hack. Attorney-client privilege is stripped from Trump. You go down the line, down, and this is what they're willing to consider. You're 100% right. They shouldn't even be asking Trump's lawyers for a response by next week because that's a fast track. But fundamentally, the idea... And this chunk and her rhetoric and her decisions, it's highly charged, gaslighting, 
political rhetoric. She doesn't just rule. She insists on being a host on MSNBC. And by the way, Julie Kelly, what Jack Smith wrote, because I read it, was highly political, well overstated what what we're talking about here. Uh, And to do all of this and for these courts to go along with it, and you hope that the Supreme Court is the place that's going to put an end to this, I fear it's not. I fear they're going to buckle. I fear that they're so frightened after the Dobbs decision that they want to show that they're really going to stand up. And they, they listen to the Michael Ludigs of the world. They listen to these other former judges. They watch these legal analysts on TV. I am very, very concerned about it. You? Very. And I'll tell you something even more infuriating. What happened this morning, and I was waiting for an order related to cert, uh, granting cert in the 1512 C2 case that is before the Supreme Court. You've got January Remind everybody defendants. what that is. This is obstruction of an official proceeding, the post-Enron law that you just alluded to. More than 300 January 6th defendants have been charged with this. It's, it represents two out of four counts in Jack Smith's criminal indictment. And so we were waiting today to find out if the Supreme Court would accept this petition and review this splintered. It basically was three different opinions in a three-judge panel. Incomprehensible. Yes. Barely. And they kicked the can today to after the first of the year. They relisted it, Mark, so they didn't have to make a decision to grant cert or deny it. So now this key two. 1512, one is 1512K, 1512 C2 in Smith's indictment. The Supreme Court kicked that down the, down the road. A, a crucial issue the J6 defendants have been waiting for some Supreme Court resolution on, but yet they return in a matter of a few hours to tell Trump's team, you have till next week to respond to this rare uh, petition by Jack Smith seeking an expedited resolution at, at the Supreme Court. I mean, what what is this? I'll tell you what it is, Julie Kelly. I knew John Roberts before he went on the court. Not we weren't buddies. We were both in the Reagan administration. He's political. He's highly influenced by the media, especially the New York Times. His wife is dear friends with the wife of Thomas Friedman. He is a uh, sort of a DC that whole genre of, of socialites and so forth and so on. He's in that crowd. And uh, I think Barrett's been an enormous disappointment. Basically, she's been taken under the chief's wing. I think Brent Kavanaugh is all show, no substance when it comes to standing up these issues. I'm quite serious about this. I think you have three justices who understand what the Constitution's really intended to do. There's no need for this rush. Except you're right. These two charges, these... Enron charges, they're not even relevant to what took place. The obstruction definition in these sections don't even meet the obstruction that, they're, that, that, that Smith is arguing for. It's much like his recent filings where he's laying out facts that he's going to bring in the trial, which are basically facts you would use if you're trying to charge somebody with uh, insurrection or seditious conspiracy. So he's trying to drag that through the back door while he brings these four phony charges because he doesn't have the elements of insurrection or or a seditious conspiracy. So he wants to use them in these other charges. This is so completely unethical. This is the Jack Smith the Supreme Court should know. The Supreme Court has had to deal with Jack Smith before in an eight to zero decision. 
And yet some of the members have changed. So who the hell knows if they're serious about it, right? I, I just don't know how they would get away with. I mean, I know how they would get away with it today. But to your point, Jack Smith's record, he has a lousy prosecution record. He was completely up, upended by the Supreme Court in the Bob McDonald um, overturning his conviction of Bob McDonald. Then he had hung jury on his prosecution of John Edwards. Uh, you know, then they shuttled him off to The Hague, where he indicted the former um, president of Serbia. They were trying to reach a long term plea, uh, peace agreement. And he indicts him, then comes over here. He used to run the public integrity unit under DOJ, under Obama. He let all the Biden crime family. It was happening right under his nose between 2010 and 2015. He completely ignores that. So the guy is a, is a known loser. Why would the Supreme Court today give any validation to what he clearly is trying to do? And that is to stick with this March 4th trial date that he and Judge Chutkin were in cahoots to set. It's amazing. I mean, and, and, and Jack Smith with Chunkin created the, this entire schedule. They created this entire, these entire issues, these issues of first impression, these constitutional issues that are very significant, particularly if the court rules improperly. And there's an assumption in his filing today that Trump has, in fact, committed crimes, and therefore Trump mm-hmm. should not benefit for those crimes by claiming immunity for life he's not claiming immunity for life jack smith has picked something in order to bring bogus charges based on issues that were related to his presidency when he was president that doesn't mean you're immune for all purposes and all things it means you're immune from his charges which are bogus to begin with and the other thing is as Jim Trusty and you and I know, and he pointed out on my show the other night, the Speedy Trial Act is for the defendant, not the government. What is the rush here other than you want to influence the election? Can you think of another reason other than them trying to influence the election? There is not. Well, to get him in handcuffs, as you know, to, to gratify this bloodlust that the left has had for nearly a decade to see Donald Trump behind bars. And Jack Smith and Judge Chutkin are are in on it. But this is what this is another thing that Jack Smith and Judge Chutkin have created, that, that the public is an interested party in the trial proceedings and a speedy trial. Jack Smith said this repeatedly in his petition today, that there's great public interest in moving forward with this trial. Public interest where? MSNBC viewers? I mean, prove your show your work. And he, First he of all, the public argument. is split. And since when does he speak for the public? What does he know about the public? The public is an interested party. Isn't the job here to do justice, Julie Kelly? Isn't that the point? The individual defendant in the courtroom. It's not about the public. It's not about politics. It's not about public opinion. In fact, doesn't that demonstrate what's going on here? That he's representing at least... Part of the public, he believes, that is the left and the Democrats and the Trump haters and the Biden administration. I mean, hasn't he really shown some ankle here that the Trump lawyers should seize on, in my view? I agree. And I'm, I'm sure that they will do that. 
To the extent it matters, though, Mark, I'll tell you, and you know, after covering these hearings and trials for the past few years, I am never, I never walk out of one of these courtrooms, whether it's a Trump judge, an Obama judge, a Reagan judge, believe it or not, and I am fully disgusted, Lambert, fully disgusted at how I see their job is to protect defendants. Let me hold you over. I got to take a hard break. Don't leave. We'll be right back. Mark Levin. Pure Talk has you covered for the holidays with a free Moto G5G phone. No gimmicks, no trading necessary. Just sign up for Pure Talk's unlimited talk, unlimited text, 15 gig data plan, just 35 bucks, and get the Moto G5G phone free. But here's the deal. You need to move fast because these phones are almost gone. So if your current phone is on life support, upgrade for free with Pure Talk. Enjoy two-day battery life, an exceptional quad pixel camera, and a whole lot more. Just go to puretalk.com slash Levin, L-E-V-I-N, to get this exclusive offer and to select the plan that's right for your family. Remember, Pure Talk gives you America's most dependable 5G network at half the price. So make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Levin, that's slash L-E-V-I-N, to claim your free Moto G 5G phone with qualifying plan. Again, puretalk.com slash Levin, Pure Talk, simply smarter wireless. We only have a minute, so Julie will, Kelly will be rejoining us right after the break. I just want to really put a fine point on this. The question now is, does the United States Supreme Court want to be dragged into election interference as a result of this rogue special counsel who has created the entire scenario? That's the question. The mask is off. The mask has been off as far as I'm concerned, but it's really off now. And he says, the public interest, the public interest, the public interest. It's not in the public interest. On the one hand, he says, this man's not above the law. Immunity, not above the law. And then he says, forget about the law. It's the public interest. I hope there's enough of them who are smart enough to get this. But I fear, I really do, that there aren't. I'll be right back. Pure Talk has you covered for the holidays with a free Moto G5G phone. No gimmicks, no trading necessary. Just sign up for Pure Talk's unlimited talk, unlimited text, 15 gig data plan, just 35 bucks, and get the Moto G5G phone free. But here's the deal. You need to move fast because these phones are almost gone. So if your current phone is on life support, upgrade for free with Pure Talk. Enjoy two-day battery life, an exceptional quad pixel camera, and a whole lot more. Just go to puretalk.com slash Levin, L-E-V-I-N, to get this exclusive offer and to select the plan that's right for your family. Remember, Pure Talk gives you America's most dependable 5G network at half the price. So make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Levin, that's slash L-E-V-I-N, to claim your free Moto G 5G phone with qualifying plan. Again, puretalk.com slash Levin, Pure Talk, simply smarter wireless. Mark Levin, the thunder on the right. Call in now, 877-381-3811. Julie Kelly, these courts, 
this Justice Department, this special prosecutor, they've already made unprecedented uh, acts, have taken unprecedented acts and created precedent through them that are going to damage this republic for however long it survives. And they just keep notching it up again and again and again, and now they reach into the Constitution, separation of powers, the power of the presidency, changing criminal law, creating cases of first impression, using creativity in order to bring certain charges and so forth. You don't do that with a former president who's running for president. You don't do that to the Constitution. But because this is all Democrats all the time, they just don't give a damn. There is literally, and I can't think of one, no reason for the Supreme Court to bypass the regular appellate system, by, by the way, the D.C. court's loaded with Obama and Biden Democrats anyway, to bypass it to accommodate a prosecutor and the Department of Justice. Because that in and of itself is injustice to, to change processes to accommodate a prosecutor like this. I have never seen or heard of anything like this. Nobody has, have they? No. Don't think anything like this has ever happened. And I think that's what's so shocking about the Supreme Court's quick response, especially in light of kicking down the road, the the crucial 1512C2 case that, that criminalizes political dissent. This is what they're doing. This is the totality of the entire January 6th prosecution, whether it's Donald Trump, his associates, or a grandma from Florida. This is to criminalize political dissent. It is to create an entire category of domestic terrorists. This is why you have judges like Tim Kelly and Amit Mehta, who have now created new federal crimes of terrorism, including shaking a temporary fence or obstruction of an official proceeding. They've now put their judicial imprimatur on a list of domestic terror crimes that we never would have conceived would have happened, you know, after the first war on terror. Now being aimed at Americans from the former president to presumptive presidential nominee to children as young as young adults, 18, 19 years old, who have had their lives destroyed over this or 65. They just arrested a 65 year old woman from Texas last week, Mark, and charged her for January 6th. This is a campaign of terror unleashed by this DOJ with Jack Smith now at the helm. You know, I wrote a book called Men in Black. It was my first book on the Supreme Court and its tyrannical decisions. And I would just say to the current Supreme Court justices, if any of them are listening, you are, are flirting with a legacy of certain past courts that have done enormous damage to this country, whether it's the Dred Scott decision, the Plessy versus Ferguson decision, the Korematsu decision, and other decisions. They involved race, of course, but they involved more than that. They involved unconstitutional acts, and the Supreme Court was on the wrong side of every one of those decisions. And I'm just saying now, For this court to refuse to take up 
this crucially important constitutional case that came out of Pennsylvania, which three of the justices wanted to, but they couldn't get a fourth. And this was an important case. It wasn't about ballots. It wasn't about voting machines. It was about who gets to make the law under the Constitution. They wouldn't take it because they didn't want to involve themselves in politics. And so now, you're right. Even by saying to the Trump lawyers, we need an immediate response next week. That means at least some of the justices may well want to hear this case. If not for them, and that would tip the balance. And so they would be playing into these efforts of this administration trying to take on what might be a prior administration of interfering in an election. The only reason to move this fast is to accommodate the prosecutor who does not believe in due process, who does not believe in free speech. And a judge, the most radical judge in the federal judiciary, who makes these outrageous statements from the bench and then refuses to recuse herself like she's God's gift and rules time and time again on motions for the government. And same with the prior judge, the motions judge, stripping Donald Trump of attorney-client privilege. Is the Supreme Court really going to drag itself at the behest of a prosecutor to move fast to accommodate him? Do they understand that the American people, Julie Kelly, not just the radical left kooks, but that millions and millions of Americans who may not pay attention to the court will turn on them because they will recognize how political and expedient this is? Do they not recognize that, Julie Kelly? I have to assume that probably a majority of them do not. Or they don't care because they're insulated in this bubble of Washington, D.C., where they're all in cahoots, all of them. I really do fear. I, I really do fear if they go down this road and allow this prosecutor to push them down this road, or actually follow them down the road, allow this radical judge to do the same, that they break precedent and take up this case. And if they rule in favor of the prosecution, this country, this country will never be the same. The court will never be the same. It'll have no respect from tens of millions of Americans. It's the justices in the courts that stand up to tyranny, that stand up to the government, that are remembered. That are remembered. It's not the New York Times or the Washington Post or somebody else that's going to determine the legacy of this court. The legacy of this court, I mean, just think about it, Julie Kelly. 30 years from now, a case is written about out of the Supreme Court where they... But the prosecutor says, I'm going to jump the appellate court. And the court says, if they do, okay, we'll take it. The court says, we'll take it. And that upholds this decision by Judge Chunkin. Which is, just because you're a president doesn't mean these protections follow you. They will open the door to future presidents being charged with crimes once they leave office. that a future administration of the opposite party will sit there. They'll wait till that president leaves office. And then they'll charge him. 
And they're going to fall on that sword, Julie Kelly, particularly when you consider the four charges in this case, having nothing to do. Jack Kelly argues insurrection. Jack Kelly argues. Argues. About uh, these, these cases, these matters, these charges he won't bring. Seditious conspiracy. But he argues seditious conspiracy without using the phrase. He argues insurrection without using the phrase. He accuses Donald Trump of creating a violence. He had to know, creating a, he had to know that his actions and statements would create violence. I mean, after all, we're taking texts off his phone and we're hearing all this other stuff. And, but he's not charged with anything creating violence. And the Supreme Court, as you point out, would it dare give its imprimatur to this? I fear, I worry that it's caught up in the politics of the moment, which is, which is the politics pushed by the left through the media. I worry about it. Any final thoughts? No. I, <laughs> it's depressing. This is depressing. just one of those days, Mark. It, this is one of those days where you cover, and I woke up with some hope that they were going to accept this 1512 cert, and then you end up with, this and and it's hard to not believe that this is calculated and orchestrated it's hard to believe that the supreme court did not kick the 1512 issue down the road but that knew that this was coming and immediately picked this up in a political maneuver on both matters mark Mm -hmm. on both matters that puts a pit in, in my stomach because the only hope these january 6th defendants have ever had is that when some of these appeals finally got to the Supreme Court, they would at least be given a fair hearing that they were denied in Washington, D.C. And this hurts me because I know how much it hurts these defendants who are waiting for some relief. And today just was a very disheartening indicator. And the court said we have more important things to do and pushed it off. That's right. Oh, and by the way, One of those more important things we have to do is take up Jack Smith's ridiculous motion to jump over the circuit court, which we almost never do, and to rule in favor of what he's claiming, which is a former president has no immunity from his actions as president. He doesn't have any rights. He's committed these crimes as president. Then he expects to get away with it. He didn't commit any crimes. He's not convicted of committing any crimes. And these four ridiculous charges, you know, when those charges were first brought, Julie Kelly, almost every objective, legitimate lawyer and constitutionalist said, this is ridiculous. They're dusting off the Klan Act. They're dusting off the two Enron obstruction uh, uh, sections. They're dusting off a federal contractor law. What the hell is that? And then he pours into this and he's made it clear to the whole world that he's going to convince this jury of Democrats. It's going to get them all worked up politically, get them all passionate and emotional about what happened on January 6th, even though he's not charged about what happened on January 6th. This is about as sick as it gets. Julie Kelly, keep at it. If people want to read you, and where do they go? I work on this from the beginning. Um, my Substack declassified with Julie Kelly. I've got a lot of coverage there and then of course i post a lot of breaking news on twitter slash x julie underscore kelly too all right let's make sure we have on our social sites the first site where people can go to keep up with julie kelly mr producer god bless you my friend keep up the great work you too mark thanks so much thanks rich
And you're right. It's a very depressing day. Supreme Court has failed us yet again. Ladies and gentlemen, you want to hear something outrageous? I first got this from Right Scoop before we take our break. Breaking. Ready for this? Joe Biden refuses to allow American families of Hamas hostages to attend Hanukkah event at the White House. The families asked to attend, Gabe Hoffman writes, families of several hostages asked to attend tonight's menorah lighting at the White House. They were refused invitations. The Biden administration doesn't want to upset its base of Hamas supporters, folks. CNN just reported this a few minutes ago. Here's their story. Several family members of U.S. citizens believed to have been taken hostage by Hamas had asked to attend a Hanukkah reception at the White House Monday night, but never received invitations. The father of a 19-year-old missing Israeli-American told CNN, it's an American-Israeli, CNN. I know what you're trying to emphasize. Ruby Chen, whose son, Ite, is a reservist missing since the militant group's October 7 attacks on Israel, said a number of families of American hostages were in Washington this week and had reached out to the White House asking to attend the reception, but were not invited. A White House spokes idiot declined to comment. Like this, this guy, what are their names over there? They're just so pathetic. The reception hosted by Biden and First Lady Jill celebrates the fifth night of Hanukkah. It'll feature some 800 guests, according to the White House, including Holocaust survivors, lawmakers, various Jewish leaders. I'm sure they're all leftists. There's still seven American men and women unaccounted for since the Israeli-Hamas war began, according to the White House. Four Americans, a four-year-old girl, and three women have been released. As Brian at Right Scoop writes, if this doesn't just speak volumes, Biden won't allow them to come because he knows it'll further alienate his Hamas-loving constituents and make it harder for him to get reelected. He is a contemptible person. And the people in the media who defend them are equally contemptible. I wonder how many Jewish reporters have been invited to that event, taking the place of the families of hostages. I just wonder. It'll only be Jews of the hard left, too. Nobody who opposes the White House. This I can assure you. So the families of hostages taken by Hamas were not invited, even though they requested to the Hanukkah party tonight. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Pure Talk has you covered for the holidays with a free Moto G5G phone. No gimmicks, no trading necessary. Just sign up for Pure Talk's unlimited talk, unlimited text, 15 gig data plan, just 35 bucks, and get the Moto G5G phone free. But here's the deal. You need to move fast because these phones are almost gone. So if your current phone is on life support, upgrade for free with Pure Talk. Enjoy two-day battery life, an exceptional quad-pixel camera, and a whole lot more. Just 
Just go to puretalk.com slash Levin, L-E-V-I-N, to get this exclusive offer and to select the plan that's right for your family. Remember, Pure Talk gives you America's most dependable 5G network at half the price. So make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Levin, that's slash L-E-V-I-N, to claim your free Moto G 5G phone with qualifying plan. Again, puretalk.com slash Levin, Pure Talk, simply smarter wireless. Oh, look at that. Protesters desecrating menorah with a Palestinian flag. This is going on all over the country. Everywhere. I'll be right back. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 3811. Well, let's see here. The day the Empress's clothes fell off, the weekly dish, Andrew Sullivan. I'm not necessarily a big fan of Andrew Sullivan, but when he's good, he's really good. And I think over the decades, he's actually become better. Hates my guts, but I don't really care. Half the country loves me, half the country hates me. It's the nature of the beast. But on the Weekly Dishes site, he writes, The day the Empress' clothes fell off. Maybe too much to expect. Now, the guy, the guy was a hardcore liberal Democrat. He's not so much anymore. He's more liberal slash libertarian. Not really a hardcore Democrat, per se. Maybe too much to expect that the congressional hearings this week, starring the three presidents of Harvard, MIT, and Penn, because it was last week, but I'm reading it from last week, will wake people up to the toxic collapse of America's once great Ivy League. But I can hope, can I? In the immortal words of Hitch, I guess he means, uh, doesn't matter. Peace be upon him as you listen to these people. You see how far the termites have spread and how long and well they have dined. He goes on. 
the mediocreites, that's what I call mediaite, mediocreite, because that's what it is, smirked, finessed, condescended, and stonewalled. Take a good look at them. These are the people who now select our elites, and they select them as they select every single member of the faculty and every student by actively discriminating against members of certain so-called privileged groups and aggressively favoring other so-called marginalized ones. They were themselves appointed in exactly the same way, from DEI-approved pools of candidates. As a Harvard dean, Claudine Gay's top priority was, quote, making more progress on diversity, unquote. That is, intensifying the already systemic race, sex, gender discrimination that defines the place. Thanks to the recent Supreme Court case, the energetic discrimination against Asian American candidates for admission at Harvard is no longer in doubt. But countless other candidates for admission have little to no chance, regardless of their grades or extracurricular activities, because they belong to the wrong race the wrong sex, sexual orientation, and gender identity, quote-unquote. Keep in mind, Andrew Sullivan is gay, but it really doesn't matter, does it? Discrimination is discrimination. So the students are admitted under this identity framework, they are taught its core precepts, that the truth, or in Harvard's now ironic motto, veritas, is a function not of logic or reason or of open, free robust debate and dialogue, let alone of Western civilization, but of inimical and evil power structures rooted in identity that need to be dismantled first. Identity first, truth second. Because truth is rooted in identity and cannot exist outside of it in their minds. In the hearings, President Gay of Harvard actually said with a straight face that, quote, we embrace a commitment to free expression, expression even of views that are objectionable, offensive, and hateful, unquote. This is the president whose university mandates all students attend a Title IX training session where they are told that fat phobia and cis-heterosexualism, whatever that is, are forms of violence, and that using the wrong pronouns constitutes abuse. This is the same president who engineered the ouster of a law professor, Ronald Sullivan, simply because he represented a client of whom gay and students, rightly but irrelevantly, disapproved, Harvey Weinstein. This is the same president who watched a brilliant and popular professor, Carol Hooven, be effectively hounded out of her position after a public shaming campaign by one of her department's DEI enforcers and a mob of teaching fellows because Hooven dated excuse me, because Hooven dared to state on television that biological sex is binary. This is the president of a university where a grand total of 1.46% of faculty call themselves conservative. 82% call themselves liberal or very liberal. This is the president of a university which ranked 248th out of 248 colleges this year on free speech. And the University of Pennsylvania was the 247th, according to the Foundation for Individual Rights and Expression. Harvard is a place where free expression goes to die, writes Sullivan. The critics who keep pointing out double standards when it comes to the inflammatory speech of pro-Palestinian students miss the point. There are no doubt double standards. There's a single standard. 
It is fine to malign, abuse, and denigrate oppressors and forbidden to do so against the oppressed. Isn't it amazing how that has picked up steam since he wrote American Marxism, Mr. Producer? It's everywhere, and correctly so. Freedom of speech in Ivy League extends exclusively to the voices of the so-called oppressed. They are also permitted to disrupt classes, deplatform or shout down controversial speakers, hurl obscenities, force members of oppressor groups, that is, Jewish students and teachers in the latest case, into locked libraries and offices during protests and blocked from classrooms. Jewish students have even been assaulted at Harvard, at Columbia, at University of Massachusetts, Amherst, at Tulane. Assaults by woke students used to be rare, such as in 2017, a mob at Middlebury that put Allison Stanger in a neck brace. But since 10-7, October 7th, they're intensifying. If a member of an oppressor class says something edgy, it is a form of violence. If a member of an oppressed class commits actual violence, it's speech. That's why many Harvard students instantly supported a fundamentalist terror cult that killed, tortured, systematically raped and kidnapped Jews just for being Jews in their own country. Because they've been taught it's the only moral position to take. They've diligently read their fanon. It must be puzzled over what the problem is. Palestinians are victims of a colonial white settler state, and any violence they commit is thereby justified. Be wrong to see this as a function merely of old-school anti-Semitism. The new anti-Semitism is simply a subsidiary of the entire rubric of anti-whiteness that is taught as the supreme principle of diversity, equity, and inclusion. This is an important point. DEI does not mean and has never meant diversity, equity, and inclusion for all. It means active support for the so-called oppressed against the so-called oppressors. It means challenging whiteness as represented by individual white people. Again, this is Andrew Sullivan. Let's go to the Smithsonian to read a definition of the term. Quote, since white people in America hold most of the political, institutional, and economic power, this Smithsonian, they receive advantages that non-white groups do not. These benefits and advantages of varying degrees are known as white privilege. For many white people, this can be hard to hear, understand, or accept, but it's true, says the Smithsonian. God, they've even destroyed the Smithsonian. Now replace the word white with Jewish, and it all fits neatly into place, doesn't it? Jews hold most of the power. Jews receive advantages, others do not. Jews have Jewish privilege. Within white supremacy, there is definitionally Jewish supremacy, because Jews in America, and even Israel, are defined by their whiteness. Now this is something I've been talking about at length. They may not want to hear it, but they are the oppressor class now. If white supremacy is changed to Jewish supremacy, you even get the title of David Duke's 2003 book, Jewish Supremacism. The tropes, the structure, and the psyche of anti-Semitism have simply been copied and pasted onto anti-whiteness. There's the same envy and resentment of an all-controlling racial group, that is deemed not inferior as in anti-black racism, but superior by underhanded, shifty, rigged means. That's why the word merit 
is now derided in the Ivy League. It doesn't exist in neo-Marxist eyes. Only power exists. Took guts for him to write this. That's why I'm reading it. These are things we talk about all the time. Because they're important to know and they're true and they're killing us. As whites, Jews helped construct a constitution long ago that pretends to guarantee equal rights. Well, once you awaken, quote unquote, to the racist conspiracy that will always define America, you can see it was actually designed to oppress non-white goyim forever. This is what the New York Times believes, as we discovered in 2019 in an entire issue of their magazine, which they then distributed to high school kids, you know, the 1619 Project, so they could learn which groups to hate in America and which groups to love. This is why when non-whites commit hate crimes, they're instantly redefined as as, as enacting white supremacy. Is why it is not triggering to call a conservative student a white supremacist or a white gay man of my generation a queer. We deserve it as oppressors. But it is a form of violence if you misgender a trans person or ask where someone is from. Even silence is violence, as the BLM protesters insisted. In fact, someday silence is the worst form of violence. Could Chairman Mao have put it better? That is why you can set up a segregated dorm at MIT, call it Chocolate City, and be praised by the president, Sally Kornbluth as being about positive selection. It's why due process exists in sexual abuse cases for women on campuses, but it's denied to all men. It is why these universities have racially segregated graduations for everyone except whites. And because this grotesque racist engineering requires admitting vast numbers of students who cannot meet the academic standards of the evil past, 80% of Harvard and Yale students now get an A or an A- minus as a grade. This is not equity. However, they re and redefine it. It is the hard bigotry of no expectations. The absolute worst thing you can do right now is what the presidents of these woke institutions now say they intend to do. Switch Jews out of the oppressor class and into the oppressed one and reapply all the DIEI discrimination on their behalf. That doesn't solve the problem. It compounds it. Pro-Palestinian. An anti-Israel speech should no more be censored than any other, and the suppression is real. There should be one standard, he says, and it should be free speech, but there can be no free speech and no guarantee of it until the toxins of critical theory and the architecture of its enforcement, DEI, are excised from the university altogether. Asking the current leadership to correct these lost institutions is an exercise in futility. N-D-E-I in its entirety. Fire all the administrators whose only job is to enforce its toxic orthodoxy. Admit students on academic merit alone. Save standardized testing, which in fact helps minorities. And it's the best way to distinguish smart poor kids from stupid rich kids, as Steven Pinker said this week. Restore grading so that it actually means something again. Expel students who shut or shut down speech or deplatform speakers. Pay no attention to the race or sex orientation or gender identity of your students and see them as free human beings with open minds. Treat them equally as individuals seeking to learn. If you can remember such a concept. 
And so it is. It's a great piece. And we want to salute uh, Andrew Sullivan for writing it, for having the courage to do it. And I want to welcome more and more leftists and liberals to the side of the Enlightenment, of the Reformation, of liberty, of John Locke and Montesquieu, of Adam Smith. I want to welcome you because we may disagree, but we don't intend to destroy you. We emphatically do not stand with Hamas. We emphatically do not make excuses for Hamas. We emphatically want Israel to destroy Hamas and do whatever it must do to destroy that terror regime. We don't need to lecture Israel about humanity and civility. This is at the heart of Judaism and the heart of that republic. It's not at the heart of the Democrat Party or the Marxists, which have a growing influence over it. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. The Israelis are trying to find and hunt down the Hamas leadership because they want to kill them. And the circle's getting tighter and tighter. So the squealing from the Democrats and the media and the Secretary of State is getting louder and louder. And you'll notice there's an entire pattern that's out there now from the New York Times to CNN to MSNBC to the Washington Post, reprobates, Israel haters, Hamas supporters in many respects, propagandists for sure, an entire pattern that tries to destroy Benjamin Netanyahu. As you heard from that clip earlier in the program in 2015 when I was on Hannity, they were trying to destroy Netanyahu back then. And they hate these religious groups that have their own parties and are part of the coalition government that Likud and Netanyahu put together. They were freely elected. They were elected in a, a fairly sizable, almost a landslide. And from day one, there's been a campaign led by the New York Times' Thomas Friedman. Go to look into his background. How he married into wealth. He was a member of kibbutz. How he was a socialist. How he's part, big supporter of these, these contemptible anti-Israel groups like J Street and others. Thomas Friedman is a real sleaze. Ehud Barak, who comes to this country and travels Europe, a widely detested figure in Israel, a radical leftist who was going to give away almost all of Judea and Samaria, significant part of Jerusalem, and pay reparations to the PLO under Arafat. And if Arafat had said no, Israel wouldn't be, it wouldn't exist today leading a campaign, raising dark money overseas to try and take out Netanyahu. New York Times, Mika Brzezinski, without the dummy next to her. She's even dumber without the dummy. Blaming Netanyahu for October 7th. This report that came out in the New York Times and asked, 
What did Netanyahu know? Or we don't know what Netanyahu knew. That report came out under the prior left-wing government that they have slobbered all over. Not under the Netanyahu government. Or now it's Netanyahu supported Qatar funding Hamas. It's just drip, 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 drip. No, no, no. We don't understand. Israel would be great, but for their elections, you know, but for democracy. The court over there, the tyrannical court, that's where all the power should be. Mark Levin, tough as hell. That's why I like Mark Levin. And I'm not sure a lot of people like him. He's tough as hell. But I like him. I love him. Call in now. 877-381-3811. I hope you were able to watch Life, Liberty, and Levin on Saturday and Sunday, or you were at least able to record them so you could watch them later. Tons of important information. I always get wonderful responses from these programs. And more and more people are learning that we're also on Saturdays now. Very important. That football game Sunday, if you're a Dallas Cowboy fan, was the greatest game in history. If you're an Eagle fan, I'm from Philly, I'm an Eagle fan, was the biggest damn disaster. So I'm glad I didn't watch it till after my show. And that is the lesson, isn't it, Mr. Producer? That's the moral of the story. Never miss my show. And you don't have to, even if you don't watch it live. So you can go ahead and even set your recording device now, your smart TV or your DVR or whatever, 8 p.m. Eastern time, whatever time in your community, on Saturday and Sunday. You can record it. You can at least set it for the rest of the time. I encourage you to do that. I also want to remind you this is very, very important. I am thrilled you're listening on our affiliates, many of you. I'm thrilled you're listening on our satellite, with our satellite partner, many of you. I am thrilled you're listening at iHeart, on our app there, and the Mark Levin app. I'm thrilled you're listening to live streaming. I'm thrilled you're listening to our podcast, wherever you get it from. And of course, our great affiliates, as I said. But it's always good to have a backup. It's always good to have a backup to radio. And that backup is as follows. <coughs> Excuse me, is as follows. For the podcast, go to marklevinshow.com, marklevinshow.com. Click on Audio Rewind at the top of the page and pick your favorite podcast platform. It's really that simple. Well, I'm old school. That's great. But always have this in your back pocket. You never know what's going to happen. Or go to your favorite podcast platform, Apple, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, etc., and search Mark Levin Show and subscribe for free. But I urge you to go to our mothership, our website, marklevinshow.com. Just click on the audio rewind at the top and pick your favorite podcast platform, and you are set. Whether you listen to the podcast or not, you will always have it there. And I would encourage you strongly to do that. Also, you can now find all my full podcasts, interviews, specials, which we produce on our own YouTube channel. Right, Mr. Producer? We have our own YouTube channel. Who would have thought? Now, how do you get there? Go to YouTube.com at Mark Levin Show. Hello! YouTube.com at Mark Levin Show. It's that simple. YouTube.com at Mark Levin Show. Or... 
Search Mark Levin Show on YouTube. It's that simple. Mark Levin Show on YouTube. We have at least a dozen different ways to listen to and find this program. And I want to encourage you to at least have some backups just in case. And again, here we are, the fifth night of Hanukkah. Christmas is right around the corner, Mr. Producer, but you know that, don't you? Right around the corner, like right around the corner. I want to encourage you to get a fantastic Hanukkah and or Christmas gift. And that is these books are running out. First edition, limited edition, signed original copies of the Democrat Party Hates America. I'm not doing any more signings. You're not going to find them anywhere else. There's somebody selling them at some usury price on eBay or something. Don't go there. All you have to do is go to levinsigned.com. Made it as easy as possible. L-E-V-I-N-S-I-G-N-E-D. Signed.com. Levinsigned.com. Grab them while they last. We always go into this holiday season and we run out of them. Well, we're near the end of them. So if you act now, or if you act tonight, after the show, you'll be able to secure your copy or copies just in time. So I want to encourage you to do that, seriously. And I want to thank all of you who have and all of you who are. But if you wait to the last minute, it ain't going to happen. It certainly won't show up in time. Here's Jamie Raskin on MSLSD yesterday. This is a self-hater. This is an Israel hater. This is a two-stater. This is a Marxist who daddy was a Marxist who loved the Soviet Union. And so he's a standout in the Democrat Party. And he's on in the media all the time. And he will not come on this show. He will not. Bernie Sanders will not come on the show. Fake Tapper, what do you think of that? All right. Here he is. Sunday, MSNBC. Jamie Raskin, cut 10, go. You know, with lax Republican gun laws across the country, we've got to take very seriously anybody who's making any kind of violent threats, especially genocidal threats. Let's hold on there. See, the Marxists want to take your guns away immediately. We know why. We know why. The all-powerful state. This is the constitutional expert the Democrats rely on who hates the Constitution. Who said Section 3 of the 14th Amendment bans Donald Trump from running for president. He's an idiot. Who objected to Donald Trump on the floor of the House, even though he had the electors and now accuses him of obstruction. And I can go on and on about this reprobate. Go ahead. Having said that, uh, where does Elise Stefanik get off lecturing anybody about anti-Semitism when she's the hugest supporter of Donald Trump, who traffics in anti-Semitism all the time? She didn't. Right, hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on there. See what I mean? He's the hugest supporter, Mr. Producer. The hugest supporter of Donald Trump. So where does she get off lecturing anybody about anti-Semitism? Let me tell you something, you little punk. Let me tell you something, you little puke. Donald Trump has supported the Jews more than you ever have, and you're Jewish. 
Donald Trump has supported Israel than you ever have. And you're Jewish. Where do you come off, punk? Where do you come off, Marxist? You have supported regimes that are awash in anti-Semitism. Your party is awash in anti-Semitism. You were calling for a ceasefire so Israel would lose and Hamas would win. You've called for a two-state solution so Israel could never defend itself. You're a fraud and a phony and a rat fink. With your stereotype. Oh, and he brings up Kanye West and Nick Fuentes. Oh, okay. Why don't we bring up Joe Biden's past as a racist segregationist? I mean, for God's sakes, he's the president of the United States. Or Franklin Roosevelt, you're a damn hero. As an anti-Semite. Why don't you bring him up? You love him, don't you? And you forgot to mention, Raskin, Trump used the word vermin. So he's worse than Hitler, according to MSNBC. You got to remember that one. You have to remember that. Notice Raskin doesn't mention Mali, who was appointed by Blinken and Biden to be the American envoy negotiating the nuclear deal that they wanted to breathe more life into with Iran. Despite the fact he's a Marxist, despite the fact he's a special pleader for Iran, despite the fact Iran's trying to blow Israel off the face of the earth. What about that one, Raskin? Raskin, does he speak out against Omar? Does he speak out against Talib? Does he speak out against AOC? Or the other 40 or 50 anti-Semites in the Democrat Party? Does he speak out against the zero Bernie Sanders? No. Of course not, ladies and gentlemen. So you see who gets attention on the Sunday shows. There's Raskin, the Marxist. There's Sanders, the Marxist. Wow. Such diversity of opinion. Then listen to this, Grifter. Listen to this, this mentally mangled buffoon, Michael Steele on MSNBC. Boy, did he transition quickly, Mr. Producer. Head of the RNC to just another Democrat hack. But listen to what he has to, notice how they're attacking Elise Stefanik. Because she was so damn effective in exposing the anti-Semitism at the Poison Ivy League schools. And so now she's the enemy. Jamie Raskin targets her. And somehow they drag in Donald Trump. I think Donald Trump has more Jewish grandchildren than Raskin does. But anyway, I don't know all the family stuff. Here's Michael Steele on MSNBC today. Cut 11, go. Elise Stefanik played politics in her questioning um, rather successfully, uh, but she set up, set up rather a, a legitimate question. Um, you know, tell me on your campus, given what has happened on the campuses that that brought you to this table in front of me as a congressperson, um, does uh, anti-Semitism anti-Semitism have a place on your campus um, and, and, you know, calling for the genocide of Jews. Is that um, something that you accept? And she's right. The obvious answer is no, we don't accept it. It has no place. But the problem is it is one of those questions that ultimately exposes a trap. 
And and that is something that these universities. Um, what are you talking cons- about, you uh, mental midget? Rambling like this. You sound like these presidents of these universities. Elise Stefanik did nothing wrong. In fact, she did everything right. She has more guts than you've ever had in your entire life. Same with that idiot Raskin. This is what you'll get, ladies and gentlemen, if you give the Democrats power. You'll get buffoonish rhinos and extremist Marxists. So at least Stefanik's the enemy now, America. Not the anti-Semites, not those who promote it or cover it up and allow it. No! Jamie Raskin, Mr. Constitutionalist. Michael Steele, Mr. Anti-Trump. I'll tell you what. You guys are the worst. You guys have become tyrants with your totalitarian mindsets. You'll say whatever you can to advance your agenda. And to be invited on these networks to speak. Raskin is a true believer. Michael Steele is performing. He's performing. Both are dangerous. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. I'm only going to play the question because I don't care what Al Gore says. This is Jake Tapper, who's a Democrat, who's a fraud and a phony. Cut 14, go. It does look like like, uh, the the 2024 election will come down to President Biden uh, versus versus, uh, former President Trump. Um, And I'm wondering what you think uh, the world would look like under uh, uh, President Trump uh, being reelected, which is certainly uh, a possibility, not only when it comes to the climate, uh, but also when it comes to democracy. Democracy, you see. And of all the people to ask, we need to ask Al Gore because he's very objective and independent. This is why you get no ratings, Tapper. This is why so many people in the country detest you. You're not fooling anybody. You're not fooling anybody. I mean, if you want to retain that position as a Democrat spokes idiot, then be a Democrat spokes idiot officially. Don't use your platform and pretend you're a newsman or reporter. Nobody believes it. I don't sit behind this microphone and pretend to be a journalist. I mean, why would I demean myself in the first place? You guys have destroyed your profession because you're trying to destroy the country. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, freedom fighters all over the world, and that includes Ukraine, our brothers and sisters in Israel. And I salute you folks. God bless each and every one of you. And I'll see you tomorrow.